Chapter 24 of Marjorie Dean, High School Sophomore by Pauline Lester. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter 24 The Moment of Triumph. It was a buzzing and excited assemblage of young men and women that gathered in the gymnasium of Western High School on Saturday morning for the much-discussed tryout. As it had been strictly enjoined upon the students of both high schools that unless they desired to take part in the coming operetta their presence was not requested, nor would it be permitted, on the momentous occasion, the great room was only comfortably filled. Western High School was represented by not more than twenty-five or thirty ambitious aspirants for fame but at least a hundred girls from Sanford High cherished hopes of gaining admission to the magic cast. After much discussion, Marjorie and her four friends had decided to make a bold attempt at chorus celebrity, purely for the sake of seeing what happened. Constance had earnestly urged them to do so, declaring that she could not sing unless they were present to encourage her. "'I wonder if all this crowd expects to be chosen,' was Jerry Mace's blunt comment as the sextet of girls stood grouped at one side of the room waiting for the affair to begin. "'I hope I'm not asked to sing alone. Not so much for my own sake. I hate to make other people feel sad. I practised America and marching through Georgia last night just to see what I could do.' one of our maids came rushing into the living room because she said she wondered who was making all that noise then hal poked his head in the door and asked if i was hurt so i quit it was time jerry's painful experience as a soloist provoked a burst of laughter from her friends it had hardly died when professor harmon a stout little man with a shock of bushy hair and an expression of being always on the alert bustled in with him came lawrence armitage and a tall dark-haired young man a stranger to those present the professor trotted to the piano opened it held a hurried conference with his companions then stepping forward ran a searching eye over the assembled boys and girls the more ambitious contestants of both sexes carried music rolls containing the selections they intended to offer but the majority of that carefree congregation aspired to be nothing higher than the chorus looking upon the whole affair as a grand lark Professor Harmon proceeded to make a short speech, briefly outlining the plot of the opera and stating the nature of the tryout. We shall ask those who wish to try for principles to step to that side of the room, he said, indicating the left. I wish to hear them sing first. Afterward, I shall select the chorus and hear them sing together. That's let me out was Jerry's relieved, inelegant comment to Susan Atwell as she moved to the right. Susan stifled an irrepressible chuckle and sobered her face for what was to come. Over among the groups of possible principals, Constance became obsessed with sudden shyness. The majority of the girls were of the upper classes and she felt lonely and ill at ease. 
she noted that she and Mignon LaSalle were the only representatives of the sophomore class. Mignon, looking radiant self-possession in a smart old rose suit and hat to match, carried herself with the air of one whose success was already assured. Her black eyes were snapping with excitement as they darted from the professor to the two young men standing beside the piano. She fingered her grey Morocco music roll nervously, her thin fingers never still. Stepping over to the piano, the professor seated himself. That young lady on the right, please come to the piano. The girl indicated, a dignified senior, obeyed the summons, coolly handed the professor her music, stationed herself at his side, and awaited trial with the air of a Spartan. After a short prelude, she began to sing a popular air that was at that time going the round of Sanford. She sang one verse, then the professor dropped his hands from the keys, inquired her name, made a memorandum on a pad, and, dismissing her, signalled another girl to take her place. The tryout proceeded with a business-like snap that bade fair to end it with speedy commission. So far nothing startling in the way of voices had been discovered. Constance listened to the various girl soloists and wondered if she could do as well as they. Mignon leaned far forward with breathless interest. She was firmly convinced that her singing would create a sensation. When at last her turn came, she walked boldly forward. Professor Harmon smiled approval and encouragement. He desired particularly to see her carry off the honour of the leading role. She darted a lightning glance at Lawrence Armitage as she approached the piano, but in his impassive features she could read neither approval nor indifference. She had chosen a French song full of difficult runs and trills, and it may be set down here to her credit that she sang it well. As her clear but somewhat unsympathetic voice rang out, a faint murmur of approbation swept the listeners. Her long training now stood her in good stead. Professor Harmon allowed her to go on with her song, instead of halting her in the middle of it, as he had in the case of the previous aspirants. When she had finished singing, she was greeted with a round of genuine applause the first accorded to a singer since the beginning of the tryout. The brilliancy of her performance could not be denied, even by those who had reason to dislike her. "'Excellent, Miss LaSalle,' was Professor Harmon's tribute as he handed her her music. Flushing with pride of achievement, the French girl returned to her place among the others, tingling with the sweetness of her success." There now remained not more than half a dozen untried soloists. Constance Stevens was among that number. By this time Marjorie was becoming a trifle anxious. There was just a chance that Connie might be overlooked. Naturally retiring, she would be quite likely to make no sign were Professor Harmon to pass her by, under the impression that she had already sung. But Marjorie's fears were needless. Constance had a staunch friend at court. During the tryout, Lawrence Armitage's blue eyes had been frequently directed toward the quiet, fair-haired girl of his choice. 
locked in his boyish heart was a secret knowledge that he had composed the operetta chiefly because he had wished constance to have the opportunity of singing the part of the princess he had consented to the tryout merely to please professor harmon he was convinced that no other girl could compare with constance in the matter of voice he was glad that she was to sing and a smile of proud expectation played about his mouth as professor harmon abruptly cut off an enterprising senior the last contestant before constance in the midst of a high note the smile quickly faded to an expression of dismay as he saw the professor rise from the piano his eyes on his memorandum pad at the same instant a faint ripple of consternation was heard from a group of girls of which marjorie formed the centre the latter took a hurried step forward marjorie was determined that connie must not be cheated of her chance she had caught a glimpse of mignon her black eyes blazing with insolent triumph and positive joy at the possibility of this unexpected elimination of the girl she hated but marjorie's intended protest in behalf of her friend was never uttered laurie armitage had come to the rescue she saw him halt professor harmon as he was about to address the company she saw the little man's eyebrows elevate themselves in a glance toward constance following laurie's low energetic communication then she felt herself trembling with relief as professor harmon announced apologetically I understand that I almost made the mistake of overlooking one of Sanford's promising young singers. Will Miss Stevens please come forward? Pink with the embarrassment of the professor's words, Constance made no move to comply with the request. Good-natured Ellen Seymour, who was one of the contestants, pushed her gently forward. Ellen's light touch awoke Constance to motion. She walked mechanically toward the piano, as though propelled against her will by an unseen force. The humiliation of being even accidentally passed by looked forth from her sensitive features. Quick to note it, Lawrence Armitage advanced toward her, took her tightly rolled music from her hand, and conducting her to the piano, introduced her to Professor Harmon apparently unmindful of the many pairs of eyes intently watching the little scene now we are ready the professor nodded to constance who stood with her small hands loosely clasped her grave eyes fastened upon him he half smiled as his experienced fingers began the first soft notes of mendelssohn's spring song Long ago her foster-father had written a set of exquisitely tender words that had exactly seemed to fit those unforgettable strains so familiar to every true lover of music. Constance had sung them so many times that she knew them by heart. Now she fixed her eyes on the east wall of the gymnasium and, leaving the world behind her, rendered the beautiful selection as though she were in her own home with only her dear ones to listen to the flood of ravishing melody that issued from her white throat. Marjorie Dean felt a swift rush of tears flood her brown eyes as she listened to her friend. She recalled the time when she had halted at the door of the little grey house in wonder at that glorious voice. 
conquering her emotion, she began to take stock of the effect of the song upon those assembled. She saw the proud flash of gladness that leaped to Laurie's fine face. His faith in Connie's powers was being amply fulfilled. She read the profound surprise and admiration of Professor Harmon as he accompanied the singing girl. She glimpsed enthusiastic admiration in the countenances of the spellbound students, many of whom had never before heard Constance sing. Then her gaze centred upon Mignon. Anger, surprise and chagrin swept the elfish face of the French girl. She read vocalisation more flawless than her own, as well as greater sweetness and an intense sympathy which she lacked in the full, sweet rounded tones that issued from her rival's lips. This was the voice of a great artist. Professor Harmon turned from the piano as the last golden note died away and held out his hand. "'Allow me to congratulate you, Miss Stevens. You—' His voice was drowned in tumult of noisy and fervent approbation on the part of the delighted audience. Boys and girls forgot the dignity of the occasion, and the next instant the surprised Constance found herself surrounded by as admiring a throng as ever did honour to a triumphant basketball or football star. If signs were true presages of victory, if the united acclamation of the majority counted, then Constance Stevens had, indeed, come into her own. End of chapter 24 Recording by Ashley Jane